Welcome to Street Knowledge with Chris Graham. Welcome to the podcast. It's a Tuesday, and I'm Chris Graham, joined by Crystal Graham, and we're going to talk some news and probably some politics here on this podcast. We're going to start a, hopefully start a weekly tradition, talking some of the new stuff here on the pod. Crystal, how you doing? I'm doing great, Chris, and I think this week we're going to focus a lot on politics because we are getting close to the election here in Virginia, and uh, there's a there's a lot to talk about. So let's start with the 6th District. Today, uh, you published a column where you endorsed Jennifer Lewis, the Democrat running for the 6th District. Yeah, yeah. You know, Jennifer Lewis is, uh, this will be her second time running for Congress. Uh, she challenged Ben Klein back in 2018 when that seat was considered what in politics you call it an open seat because Bob Goodlatte, the longtime uh, uh, representative for the 6th District, was retiring that cycle. Uh, Bob Goodlatte served for 26 years, uh, ultimately, uh, in, in the 6th District, the Republican. And um, Lewis challenged, she got uh, over 40% of the vote. It's a tough district the six, for a Democrat. The 6th District is a, a largely, uh, it's, it's drawn to be a Republican, very friendly district. Um, but uh, she's challenging again here in 2022. And, uh, you know, early voting's already started. We, we know this. We haven't been out to vote ourselves, but... Uh, you know, I checked the numbers on the Virginia Public Access Project website, and over 26,000 votes have already been cast in the 6th District. This is an interesting election year in Virginia, um, you know, as in most states. I, I guess probably all states have it this way. Um, in, this, in, in, a, in a cycle, you know, how things cycle through on the federal elections, um, you have Senate elections, that, which senators are up every six years. Um and then uh, wrapping around uh, the um, presidential election years, you only have one cycle, <coughs> excuse me, out of about four that has no Senate race and no presidential race on the ballot. And this is one of the this, this is the year where there's no presidential race, no Senate race on the ballot. So um, it's going to be a probably a lower turnout, but still 26,000 votes have already been cast. And we wanted to weigh in and give you know our thoughts, which are, are to strongly advocate for Jennifer Lewis over Ben Klein. Right. And the election is Tuesday, November 8th. One of the problems that I hear from people that I've talked to, even Republicans, and and that the the struggle to vote for Ben Klein this time is that he has very much been an election denier. After the insurrection, he voted to uh I guess, to, to not certify the results. And so there's a lot to be said about that, even among Republicans. What, what are you hearing in that respect, Chris? Well, I'm not hearing much, but certainly from the standpoint of, of how voters should be thinking about this. You know, and we have, we have uh, friends, a couple of close friends who are Republicans who also aren't Trumpers. That, you know, Trumpist, I guess, is, the, is a term I'm using these days. Um, they want their party back. And, and the way they get their party back is not by continuing to vote for people who denied uh, how the 2020 election was conducted, denied who won. Um, ben Klein, I mean, literally in the hours after the January 6th insurrection, you know, we all saw the pictures. We all, were, a lot of us were probably watching the TV that day um, and saw, I mean, the, the Capitol overrun by people who were you know, trying to violently overthrow the U.S. government. It's the only way you can put it now. Um, after, after the scene was cleared, Ben Klein was among 130 or so Republicans in the house and Senate who voted to not certify election results, uh, in a handful of states. And, and, and as a result were, they were voting to disenfranchise people. I mean, take, take the right to vote away from, from people who would cast their votes. And so 
Ben Klein, and since then, Ben Klein has been very quiet on that subject. Um, and, uh, you, you know, that right, that right there should be disqualifying. You know, another thing about Ben Klein that should be disqualifying, he's following in the footsteps of Bob Goodlatte. Goodlatte, I mentioned, was in Congress in this district for 26 years. Goodlatte, um, affable guy, just like uh, Ben Klein. You know, you could, just, you could have a conversation with him, but you never had any substance there. Bob Goodlatte in 26 years, no signature piece of legislation. Uh, you know, he was, I guess you can call a backbencher. He, he kind of sat, he was there in Congress, didn't want to make waves, um, wanted to basically just, you know, ride out as long as he could to be a congressman and then retire. Um, ben Klein very much following in his footsteps, in the footsteps of his, of his political mentor, his political idol. Uh, ben Klein has only been in Congress for four years, but no signature legislation. Um, you know, he has very little seemingly to say about what's going on in Washington. Occasionally, his office will put out a statement on his behalf or he'll tweet or, or Facebook something um, where he'll call out radical Democrats for something. But he's really not a guy who's making himself known as a, a policy guy. He's not a politics guy. He's just kind of there. Um, and, uh, you know, if, if, if you're out there voting, I mean, when you're voting for this, this is a job. This isn't just some this isn't a popularity contest. This is a job, you know, a criticism I had of Bob Goodlatte for many years uh, in the 6th District, nothing in terms of anything material for 6th District uh, voters. You know, are, were our lives better because Bob Goodlatte represented us in Congress for 26 years? Are our lives better because Ben Klein's been there for us for four years? You know, what, what can we point to to say that they did this for us here? Um, and a lot of Congress people, a lot of senators can actually point to at least one thing, if not a lot of things, that they've done for their constituents. And in, in, in Bob Goodlatte's case, Ben Klein's case, there's really nothing to point to. You know, one thing, Chris, that you did write about in the Augusta Free Press endorsement of Jennifer Lewis was the fact that she's always doing something for the community. And this isn't just when she's running for the election. One of the things I admire about Jennifer, and I'll just disclose that I've personally made a donation to her campaign as well. But one of the things I admire about her is that she is always doing something in the community, whether she's serving on a board of a local nonprofit, you know, she works in the mental health field, which, you know, my heart is there, you know, she's delivering uh, vegetables to, to, you know, to families that are in need through a program, I believe that's affiliated with Augusta Health and some other things, uh, but she's always got her hand in things. You know, she's always asking for, you know, her food pantry. She's got a food pantry set up, you know, that there's needs for that and everything. So one of the things I admire about her the most is that girl is always volunteering and trying to make her community a better place. And I can only imagine that if she gets a chance in Congress, that she'll do the same for a much wider region. She's been a rape victim counselor, domestic uh, violence counselor. She's, she continues to volunteer with New Directions, which works with rape victims, domestic violence victims. Uh, uh, she volunteers with Valley Hope Counseling, the Waynesboro Cultural Commission, the Arc of Augusta, which works with people uh, with intellectual and physical disabilities and tries to help them out. Um, you mentioned the, the free food pantry um, with Augusta Health and AMI. Um, and... Uh, you know, and she does this. She doesn't just do this for the publicity. In fact, she doesn't, you know, we know this, but she doesn't seek publicity for these things. She's not doing for photo ops. Um, and, um, you know, where's Ben Klein? That's that, that's a criticism I've got. You know, if, if you're a, a, a person voting in California or, you know, that part, you know, the western part of the country, it, it, it will be hard to 
be too critical of your congressperson or senator for not being back in the district because you know you're you're pretty far away. You'd have to get on a plane, fly a few hours, whatever. Um, we're in the sixth district. You can get in a car and be in most places in the sixth district from DC. A couple hours, three hours, four hours. You know, there's no reason for and, and Congress is only in session a little more than half the year, most years, some years less than half the year. I mean, let's just do the math. We uh, we all work five or six or seven days a week. Um, when you're in Congress, you're working three days a week, uh, Tuesday through Thursday. You may have some things to do on Monday or Friday. Most weeks you don't. Um, there's no reason for Ben Klein not to be here uh, and not just, you know, sleeping here, but, you know, doing things here. Um, and, you know, the more of those kind of things you do, the more the more you might hear from your constituents about what is concerning them, about what they want done. You know, I was very um, praiseworthy of Chris Runyon, a Republican delegate, uh, state, a member of the House of Delegates here in Virginia. Uh, I ran into him at the Rockingham County Fair a few months ago now, a couple months ago now. And uh, he comes up to me and, and says, hey, you know, what's what's on your mind? What's what's big to you? And I mean, he knows I'm a liberal, progressive uh, Democrat uh, news editor. But for 10 minutes, we were talking about some important things. You know, Ben Klein doesn't have those interactions with people. And um, and, and Jennifer Lewis does. And, you know, and she will continue to do even more of that. Um, she won't be someone staying in D.C. all the time. Uh, like Ben Klein is, and and she'll actually want to do some things for this district and actually get some things accomplished to make lives to, to make people's lives better here uh, in Western Virginia. Now, shifting to local elections, also also on the ballot on November eighth uh, in Stanton and Waynesboro. I thought we'd start with Waynesboro, Chris, and then maybe if you have time, you can talk about Stanton. In Stanton, we haven't made an endorsement, but we have told you not who not to vote for in that election. In Waynesboro, however, an endorsement has been made by Augusta Free Press. Uh, in there, if, if you live in Waynesboro, if you're in Ward C and Ward D, you have an opportunity to vote for local races. And uh, in both of those, Augusta Free Press made an endorsement. I'm going to let you break it down, Chris. Yeah, it is important. You wrote the story a couple of weeks ago now about how Waynesboro, and of course, we've been trying to repeat this throughout the cycle here, that Waynesboro, for the first time, is having November local city elections. We always had them in May. And also that this is the first time that Waynesboro, which has a ward system in terms of seating four of its five members, only people in that ward can vote for the representative of that ward. We've always had ward seating for four of our five members, but um, we allowed citywide voting. So um, I was just talking with someone today. I was out making an appointment for an eye uh, exam, and the, the gentleman who works there was telling me that he lives in Waynesboro, and his wife went to vote early and said, hey, honey, we uh, we can't vote in those elections because we don't live in either Ward D or Ward C. Um, I do know that uh, Waynesboro's already had, uh, it was a, around 1,000 votes cast early. Now, I don't know, you know, we didn't, the, the breakdown from VPAP wasn't specific to which wards. It was just citywide. Um, so there could be, you know, there could be people like the, the person I talked to whose wife already had early voted and didn't get to vote in any election yet, a uh, local election, that is. Um, but yeah, you, you can only vote uh, if you live in the wards for city council and school board. They're actually uh, two seats up in both. One of the school board seats is um, uh, there's a, there's only one candidate. So we didn't need to make an endorsement there. Vote for Deborah Freeman Bell or don't. Either way, she's going to be the representative there. Um, in the city council races, the important races, the, you know, the, the city council uh, and, and city councils in Virginia actually can vote on money. School boards don't even get to vote on money. They set a budget, but they, they don't have control over the purse. They they recommend a budget and then the city, city council still has to approve it. Um, 
in the Ward C race, uh, we're backing Kenny Lee. Uh, and in Ward D, we're backing Sam Hostetter. And then also in Ward D on the school board, there's actually a contested race there. And we're backing Kathy Manival there. Um, Crystal, you were able to interview Kenny Lee. Um, he, he's a, a, a native of Waynesboro who served in the military for 28 years. Uh, and he moved back to Waynesboro in the last couple of years and lives um, in Ward C in the heart of the African-American uh, neighborhoods there, the African-American community. He himself African-American. And, um, you know, he, he feels like he's, he's well equipped to be able to, to step in and, and, and be part of the leadership of the city, which I think is admirable for someone who's already given 28 years to the U.S. military. He now wants to continue giving uh, by serving on city council. Right. He lives on Port Republic Road, like literally one block from where he was raised on Shiloh Avenue in Waynesboro. You know, what he said is there should be people that look like me on city council. And he's not wrong. You know, we we had um, a black city council woman, uh, Elzina Anderson, uh, who was elected to Ward A back in 2016. Uh, she resigned her seat a little bit early in 2020 before her term expired. But, you know, there it's, it's long been a criticism in Waynesboro that, you know, it's a bunch of white guys, you know, and I'm just going to put it that way. Now, there is one woman on council now. And so I'm not saying that that's the case right now. But certainly um, this, this idea of voting in the ward that you live in is definitely designed to make council more representative of the community. And so certainly, uh, you know, Kenny Lee is back in Waynesboro and recognizes the fact that, you know, there should be people who live on Shiloh Avenue or Port Republic that serve on city council. So, uh, so yeah, it'll be interesting to see how that election turns out. If you want to read more about the story, you can just go to AugustaFreePress.com, search Kenny Lee and learn a little bit more about him. I also interviewed Sam Hostetter and Chris, I'm going to kick it to you about this, but, you know, he's running for re-election. So he does have a record to stand on. So it's a little bit different than Kenny Lee, who's more talking about, you know, the fact that he just wants to be part of everything that's happening in Waynesboro. Well, I wanted to just mention about Kenny Lee, a couple of things I think that are important. One, his, his opponent is a guy named Jeremy Sloat. And, uh, you know, when I was looking through the records of all the candidates, I mean, I would go on social media. I wanted to see what people had to say about things in, in so, on social media. Um, when I reference Sam Hostetter's opponent, Jim Wood, uh, Jim Wood is they're both Republican nominees. And it's interesting that, you know, the, the, the two candidates were endorsing, actually, the three candidates were endorsing, not nominated by either party um, or, or and not affiliated with either party. Um, but in the case of Jim Wood, he's a pretty loudmouth Trumpist. Uh, so there was no way we were going to endorse a guy like that. And his social media reflects that. Jeremy Sloat's social media is pretty, pretty muted. Um, that said, he's, he's you know, he's still on. He's still on the Trump party side of things. Um, Kenny Lee, I think that's what's what's one thing that's important among many with Kenny Lee. You mentioned the the fact he's African-American, lives, uh, you know, not far from where he was born and grew up. Um, and, and also the fact that, you know, we, we, we could do a great job of, of having better representation uh, across the board in our community if we are to elect a, a very qualified Kenny Lee to city council. Um I think it's important that, you know, I've noted this on Augusta Free Press for a number of years. It, it's always felt to me like Ward C specifically and, you know, Wards C and A in our city uh, are sort of, I mean, they're not quite on the other side of the river, but they large parts of those two wards are, are on the, the east side of Waynesboro. Those communities are often forgotten uh, in City Hall um, because 
honestly, for the most part, usually the people who represent those wards and have represented those wards on city council have been rather weak. Um, and so as a result, you, you see a lot of, uh, you know, basically those those parts of town are forgotten. You know, a lot of attention. We live in the, in the part of town that's not forgotten. Um, if something, you know, if something happens here, if a road is, needs to be repaired here, it gets repaired. Uh, when things happen on the east side, wards A and ward C, it goes a few years. And so I think having someone who doesn't is, is not just a resident of that area, but also passionate like Kenny Lee is. Um, that'll do great to represent that part of town uh, a lot better than certainly it has been for a number of years. And when you talk about Sam Hostetter, I think that, you know, something that stands out about Sam, I mean, he's a, he's a very qualified candidate. He's been on the city council for four years already, as you mentioned, um, you know, an interesting four years, the last <laughs> two and a half of them have been caught up in the COVID era. Um, Sam, as a doctor, a, a family physician, um, has been an, uh, uh, indispensable, I think, uh, on the city council, city leadership as a guy with a, a, a background in, in, in health uh, who can, you know, help guide um, some city decisions through that process. And again, you know, you know, Sam, Sam, Sam has a lot of great ideas. I think also it's, it's just as important to point out that again, Jim Wood is a guy that would bring Trumpist kind of politics to Waynesboro. We don't need that at any local level, whether it be here in Stanton, any city, any county, you know, we don't need national politics. We don't need that divisiveness here in Waynesboro. We, we need, there are problems that need solutions. And um, the idea that we'd have someone who, you know, thinks that all you got to do is, is give a sound bite so that you can be on the news the next day, that's not going to help Waynesboro solve its problems. We have a number of issues that need to be resolved in a city. Uh, educational attainment of our youngsters, um, econ economic opportunity for, for all, not just for people who live on our side of town, but economic opportunity for all. Um, and we, we, we don't need someone posing as a city council member. We need someone like Sam Hoster who will get the job done. Right. And he did say, Chris, you know, back when you were talking about national politics and its role in, you know, in local elections, you know, he says that, you know, he's an independent voice for an independent Waynesboro. And he's, you know, he's hoping that people, people like that about him, you know, the fact that he's not aligned with the party. And he's also of the belief that you don't, um, you don't have to be, you don't have to have the party's endorsement to run for local elections, that they should be independent. So you can definitely, again, read the story about Sam Hostetter, um, as well as the endorsement on AugustaFreePress.com. There's a nice little search bar at the very top of the site where you can put in the name and uh, and search that information so that you can can read up a little bit more on, on those candidates. Now, I briefly mentioned Stanton and Chris, I know you haven't well, made endorsements. In well, Stanton. actually, let me, let me just throw in about Kathy Manival. Uh, oh, sure, sure. Board race. Yeah. Kathy Manival has served on the school board in Waynesboro since 2006. She faces another Republican, Amber Lipscomb, who again, like Jeremy Sloat, um, when I comb back through her social media, um, she is, uh, she's, you know, she's very quiet about politics. So why she would even seek the Republican endorsement is interesting. Uh, because it can actually be sort of a sort of a negative in a school board race, particularly. Um, but and she's all she's a teacher. She a you know, former teacher in the school system, and also talking about Amber Lipscomb. And um, now she's a um, virtual uh, teacher for the state. I think it is. She, she just teaches in some schools across the state as a virtual teacher. Um, the, a question I would have about someone who wants the Republican nomination in a school board race would be: All right, so now you're tying yourself to the policies of of our Republicans statewide. Quinn Youngkin, the, the, the governor, who's a Republican, um, uh, he has really put K-12 public schools in the crosshairs. Um, 
He's pushing school choice. He's pushing the idea that tax dollars should be taken out of public schools to some degree and given to people who put their kids in private schools. Would she support that? Um, also, the, the whole thing about sanitizing the curriculum, it's just really annoying to see what Youngkin has, has done in, in directing his Department of Education uh, to try to basically wash down the, the, the teaching of history in the, of, of our country. Um, so that some people's feelings aren't hurt. You know, he, he ran for governor claiming that critical race theory is taught in our schools. And he's even made it a point that the tours of his, the executive mansion now that he, you know, he's, he's oversight of because he's a governor don't include any mention of slavery. I mean, you, he can pretend all he wants, but I don't think we want someone like that with a vote on our, on our school board uh, about policies for the school board, about budgets for the school board. And we have a Kathy Manable who has great experience. And I say someone who's got 16 years of experience serving on a school board, that is a thankless job. If she wants to do it again and continue to have and bring that experience to our to our benefit, let's let her do it for another four years at least. Okay. And then I did mention Stanton just briefly, Chris, you haven't made endorsements as far as who to vote for there, but you have uh, basically said who not to vote for in Stanton. Yeah, and you're catching me off guard here a little bit. I got to find uh, the, the story. It's been a couple of weeks now uh, that we wrote there. You know, Stanton's races are different um, in terms of how they're conducted. Waynesboro, we mentioned, you know, there's a ward system. Uh, the elections are conducted by, um, uh, you know, you, you, now we're seating people by ward and voting for them by ward. And Stanton, all the elections are conducted at large. All, there's, all, all seating is at large. Uh, and you know, the voting, of course, is at large. Now, they are also moving like uh, Waynesboro did this year from a May city election to a November city election. Um, but um, that said, and I'm, so I'm waiting for the search function. To yeah, work. no, no. Yeah. So so one of the people that you specifically mentioned was not to vote for Yvonne Wilson. That there was someone, Thank you. Yeah, yeah, sorry. And, and so um, I know you had written that at some point. So I just wanted to give you an opportunity to yeah. talk about that. Well, just like Jim Wood, she's an avowed Trumper. Uh, and, um, you know, I think a lot of what she has to say, uh, uh, you know, on local issues could be could be beneficial if she were elected. But, you know, this is the person who's been given multiple opportunities to say um, basic things about uh, why she supports Trump and why, why and, and, and why that's important to her as a candidate. And she deflects always talks about, well, that's one thing I believe, but I believe this about Stanton. You know, we have to think about uh, what, what you know, a person who is not just someone who voted for Trump, but is very public about it, very vocal about the support of Trump, what would they do at the local level? You know, I mean, the, you know, some, will that have an impact on how Stanton conducts its elections in the future? Yeah, it's a really serious question. Um, what happens if she loses? What if she, what happens if she, she, um, you know, loses in her bid for city council election? Is she going to claim that the elections were rigged? Um, you know, in two years, there's another election where the majority of the city council, the people who were elected in 2020, um, will be up for re-election. What if the people that she supports there are 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 defeated, as is very likely the case in Stan? That was a very odd turnout in 2020 that led to to the conservative majority in a, in a city that's for 30 plus years uh, been a, a left-leaning city. Uh, to have been seated there. So is she going to, uh, you know, is she going to throw up a furor over that? I mean, th th these are things when you say you're an avowed Trumper, you're saying a lot of things about yourself uh, that just like I said about Jim Wood and Waynesboro, we do not need. Um, and so, you know, it, she's proud to have supported him, proud to continue to support him. She'll vote for him in the future. 
Um, you know, I think that's something she should do on her own time as a private citizen. I think at this point, there are a lot of really good candidates for Stanton City Council. You know, I, I don't think Yvonne Wilson is someone that we need to, you know, need to elect to Stanton City Council. Chris, one other thing I thought you could talk about is just that shakeup that happened in Stanton. You know, or, or Stanton tends to lean Democrat when it comes to uh, city council, school board, the whole the whole nine yards. But um, in 2020, things changed. Yeah, well, it, it, it did. And in 2020, you know, that was that was the first election in the COVID era. You know, back then, the, I say back then, like it's a long time ago. Oh, way back in the day. Uh, in 2020, just two years ago, Stanton and Waynesboro both still had May elections. And so um, you think about May 2020, it was two months into the COVID era. Um, there was a good turnout. In fact, a really good turnout in that in that cycle uh, in Stanton. Um, and um, we were still in the throes of um, you know, before COVID, uh, there was a Second Amendment sanctuary movement that had gotten its feet under it uh, in Virginia, uh, and also, you know, in, in localities out in our part of Virginia, Stanton was one where um, the Second Amendment sanctuary advocates uh, were very vocal and very demonstrative, uh, attending local uh, government meetings and and making their voices heard. And um, and so uh, that said, uh, you know, that was that's one cycle. Um, the 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 conservative majority, the Republican majority on Stanton City Council has been a disaster. That's all we can say about how, how things have gone in Stanton since that group took over. Um, they have, uh, you know, they, they, they fired, uh, effectively fired the, 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 sitting, the city manager uh, for, for no reason. Um, they have not replaced that person yet with a full-time person. Um, you know, a, a number of staff shakeups uh, that have, that have uh, taken place since that um, has weakened the city leadership. Uh, and, um, and so, you know, I, I, it's, you know, even absent the, the poor leadership of this group, I would think that in 2024, the voters of Stanton would, would reverse their decisions. But in, in light of just how poor a job that group has done, uh, it's hard to figure that in 2024, all four of those people will get reelected. Uh, it, it, would, it wouldn't surprise me if, if all four were defeated at the polls in 2024. All right, Chris, let's quickly uh, touch on a couple of state issues. One of them is uh, with Governor Glenn Youngkin. On Monday, he launched an initiative called Operation Bold Blue Line, uh, which is basically how his his recommendations for how to fix the low pay issue when it comes to the lack of cops in the state of Virginia. Do you want to wait? Tell us a little bit more about that. Yeah, he didn't learn his lesson from Terry McAuliffe. Uh, Terry McAuliffe, the guy he beat for the governor's job last year, um, I, I kept calling out Terry McCall's campaign because everything, every time they would send a press release out about one of their campaign platforms, it would talk about Terry McCall's bold, whatever it was. Right. Um, so put bold in front of this policy of, of, uh, uh, of Glenn Youngkin. And it's, it's a lot of nothing. Uh, he's, he's trying to talk about um, how, uh, you know, playing the typical Republican, um, the game of, Okay, there's a lot of crime, and you we need to do something about it. And, and and but then when you look at the specifics of what he talked about yesterday, in terms of of what he would do to fight all this violent crime that's uh, supposedly gripping our communities, um, there's really there's really not a lot of specifics. The, a big issue we see it here in Waynesboro is the the number of vacancies in police departments. So Waynesboro's got a vacancy close to forty percent. There are a number of cities in Virginia with a forty percent or greater vacancy rate, which means those are jobs that we're budgeted to fill, and we don't have enough cops to fill them. Um, 
And a key reason for that is that we're too cheap in Virginia to, to be able to pay uh, people. And the, the, a police officer's job is not easy. Literally, you know, I've done several ride-alongs with police over the years. Literally, every time they clock in, something could happen that could lead to serious injury or death. There are not many people who work jobs where that's the case. They, they face that for simple things. I mean, pulling a person over for, for speeding can lead to an interaction that could lead to death. And so, um, so we pay these people the least, it seems like, which is just ridiculous. And so that's the reason Waynesboro's got a problem, but Waynesboro's not alone. We also have a problem in our Commonwealth, uh, Waynesboro, again, among these communities with this problem, where we don't have enough Commonwealth attorneys, not just the, the elected person, but enough assistant Commonwealth attorneys, people working uh, the number of cases, so that even, you know, even those places that are doing a decent job of, of policing their communities um, don't have enough prosecutors to prosecute all the cases they bring. We've written about that in Waynesboro in the last couple of months, about a, a very high profile case where there just aren't enough uh, prosecutors to, to, to make a determination as to whether or not to pursue uh, charges against someone accused of, of um, basically pedophilia. So um, it's, it's hard to figure that that we can, so those are the problems. And then Glenn Youngkin, he, he rolls out this plan and says, we're going to propose that we're going to, you know, ask for more money next year uh, from the General Assembly to address this problem. But he didn't even ask how much, he didn't even say how much money they're going to ask for. Um, and so if you're not going to be specific about that, that tells me you're not very serious about that. Um, you know, there's some other parts of this plan talking about train money for training officers and money for uh, what group violence intervention efforts and recruitment efforts and that kind of thing. But you can spend all the money you want recruiting people to want to, to work as, as cops. But if you're not going to pay them enough, they're not going to want the job. And if they get the job, they're not going to keep the job. That's a problem. Waynesboro's got a lot of communities have is that, you know, uh, people get, you know, people work on the force they get their, they get their certification. They work on the force for a couple of years. Then they go somewhere where they can get paid better. Uh, and, and we're not talking about how to do that. We're just, it's, it's lip service is what this is. So speaking of low pay, uh, teachers in Virginia, you know, Governor uh, Glenn Youngkin, again, seems to have a solution uh, when it comes to uh, teacher pay, uh, not actually teacher pay, which is paying teachers more, which might be the solution that most of us think would help. Um, but apparently uh, he's put forth a plan called a Become a Teacher campaign, which is basically lowering licensure standards in the state of Virginia. Could you tell us more about that? That's what it is. He wants to he wants to make it easier to be a teacher. And again, instead of, you know, he, he could do the same with cops. Hey, let's just let anybody be a cop. Right. It feels like that sometimes when you watch the news um, and and. But as far as the teachers, um, you know, there aren't enough certified teachers. And so, you know, a lot of school systems are having issues filling out their teacher rosters. And so um, you could do a couple of things. You can, you know, address the, the, the pay discrepancy again, just like with cops. Uh, teachers don't put their lives on the line, but you know, they, that's a tough job. Uh, I can't imagine that job. I, I thought at one point in my life, I wanted to be a teacher. I sub, I was a substitute teacher for like six months and I realized, Nope, don't want to do that. It's a hard job. It's not, it's, it's not at all easy. Uh, and for the pay it's, it's thankless. And um and so, um, you know, the solution logically to a lot of us would be, all right, let's let's reward these people who do this really hard job. Um, and, and I don't want to just blame Glenn Youngkin. This is a bipartisan problem. And I would I should say the same about the police staffing. These are these are decades old issues in Virginia. We've been too cheap for decades to pay our police officers what they're what they deserve. And we've been too cheap for decades to pay our teachers what they deserve. Um, 
But, uh, you know, it's Glenn Youngkin's turn now. And he, his response is, all right, I got a great idea. Let's just make it easier to be a teacher. And, you know, we're going to reduce the red tape, all these things, again, that just play into his base. Um, you know, another thing that Glenn Youngkin could do, he, he instituted these tip lines so that people could, could, could uh, rat out their teachers if they think they're teaching divisive concepts. You know, this playing back to this, uh, let's sanitize history thing that I talked about when I was talking about the school board races. Um, no, so the solution isn't just to lower the standards. And, you know, having been a substitute teacher, you know, when I was when I was a sub, there were some teachers who, um, in fact, most of the teachers that I sub for the days they knew they were going to be out, they would they would give me as a sub, uh, you know, the assignment to just basically hand out worksheets and and let the kids do work that way. We're not going to teach them anything today. We're just going to keep them busy that day. Um, there were a few teachers who actually, hey, you know, you're here, teach them. And, um, and, and, and those were fun days for me um, as an as, as aspiring at that point teacher. Um, there are too many, you know, this, this, this process of let's just put people in warm bodies in schools and call them teachers um, that, that Glenn Young is rolling out here feels to me like let's just, let's just hand out some more worksheets and um, hope the kids are occupied while they're there instead of teaching them anything. And that's, that's not going to be the answer for Virginia. You know, my sister, she occasionally substitute teaches in Rockingham County. And she said that most of what they, the students do now is on the computer. And so she said, you know, she's not really teaching. It's more, and you know, she's not showing videos or anything like they used to do sometimes when we were back in school and a teacher was out, but they're actually just working on their computers and completing their coursework. And she's just kind of overseeing that from what she's told me. She's a monitor. I mean, she's just there to check a, a box, right? That's not teaching. That's not, that's not educating anybody. Right. Um, and, and we're going to be moving in that direction even more if we follow the guide of, of Glenn Youngkin here. Okay, Chris, one more issue I want to talk about before we wrap up today's podcast. And I tell you what, I'm not going to try to untangle this, so to speak. I'm going to let you do it. But it's basically this dust up between the Commonwealth's attorney, the Board of Supervisors, the sheriff in Augusta County, and Nexus Services. I'm going to let you break it down. But you know, one of the things you wrote about is the strange political bedfellows that are happening in Augusta County with this dust up. Yeah, it, it, you know, the, when I was thinking, you know, I was doing the 30,000 foot view of, of this controversy. I mean, the, the background, the quick background, um, the uh, president and CEO and, and, and two of the vice presidents of Nexus Services, which is a Augusta County based business that provides uh, bonds for um, people held in immigration detention across the country. So it's not just Virginia or even just Augusta County. It's, an, it's a business that does business nationwide, um, but they're based here in Augusta County, have been since 2015. Um, Three of their top company executives were indicted by an Augusta County grand jury a few weeks ago, and a, the, the arrests were made, I guess it was two weeks ago now, um, regarding the, ca uh, the, uh, the case of the brother of the Parkland High School shooter, who was also in the headlines recently, um, finally um, sentenced and sentenced to life for that mass shooting at Parkland High School back in 2018. Well, in the case in Augusta County, um, his older brother, slightly older brother, I think, um, and had inherited some money. Their mother had died a few months before the shootings in Parkland, um, and the two brothers stood to get some money from that. Um, it's alleged by um, you know prosecutors, uh, the grand jury held up with an indictment that uh, uh, the principals, I guess, of of um, 
the Nexus services were involved in a scheme to basically defraud the, the young man of his money. And so that'll come, you know, the no trial date's been set in that. That's that's to come. Uh, that's the background to the to, to where we are here with um, Tim Martin, the Commonwealth attorney in Augusta County. He's a Republican. I'll note I'll, I'll start noting the the political backgrounds of the various people, because I think that's that's an interesting thing. Tim spoke out last week at the County Board of Supervisors meeting. Basically, uh, you, you know, it, it it came to my mind when I was writing about this a couple of weeks ago that, hey, you know, Augusta County invited Nexus Services here. Nexus Nexus Services didn't necessarily have any foothold in Augusta County before um, they were invited to, um, I guess, basically be in the Mill Place Commerce Park, which is the county's industrial park, which had, uh, I want to say it was the late first decade of the 2000s when Augusta County invested money in in, in developing that property and, and trying to market it to, to future industrial tenants. Um, I don't know that, you know, basically at the time when it was being marketed, it was thought of as an industrial center and now it's basically an office center, but that's that, you know, the uh, the folks at uh, Nexus moved in in 2015, there was big groundbreaking. You look at the Augusta County, Augusta Free Press Archives, you know, there's a picture of the groundbreaking. There's all kinds of political officials there celebrating Nexus coming to town. Ever since Nexus came to town, they've been fighting Augusta County leaders. Uh, it's really interesting how that is. Um, it made me think a, a few different times along the way, because these ne the Nexus folks have been involved. I mean, they've been under investigation by a few states, attorneys general, um, the feds have been involved investigating various activities, you know, um, uh, that, that have been at question over the years it made me think again. Yeah. Uh, I'm sure that the person who's responsible for helping bring these guys in is, is very popular around the government center in Verona right now. Um, but Tim Martin, you, you know, called out the, 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 at least a few people, a couple of those were, were principals in countryside holdings, uh, the real estate developer company that, that uh, worked with Nexus to help them come to to, to Augusta County. Um, the people there, uh, the, the two, the, the 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 managing partner and then a partner, they're both uh, big time Republican donors. Uh, when I looked at uh, their their campaign donation records uh, through VPAP, the Virginia Public Access Project, lots of money given to Republican candidates over the years. So they're they're staunch Republicans, just like Tim Martin, the Commonwealth Attorney, uh, two time elected in Augusta County Republican. Um, Donald Smith, the sheriff who has been, you know, in the crosshairs of the Nexus folks for years, he's nominally an independent. I mean, he ran twice as an independent, but Crystal, we both know Donald personally. He is very much a Republican. He's a second amendment sanctuary guy. He just does not run under the party label, but he's, he runs as an independent, but his heart and soul, uh, is hardcore Republican. So again, more Republicans on the same side of things. The Nexus service folks, um, it didn't take much looking up, but to, to, to confirm this, but, you know, they, their, their business is immigrant bonding. Um, when I looked up Mike Donovan, the CEO, and looked up his campaign donation records, you know, uh, very solidly Democratic. Um, and uh, they have been, you know, in league with um, a couple of groups, the local Black Lives Matter group, um, RISE, a local nonprofit here in Waynesboro that works with the African-American community. So, you know, the Nexus folks are, are hardcore Democrats. Uh, Tim Martin, Donald Smith uh, are hardcore Republicans. The people that Tim Martin called out for, for working closely with the Nexus people, hardcore Republicans. So there's this weird, not weird, it's just, it, just noting that, that it's, it, it kind of straddles both sides of the political divide. Um, and, you know, 
I mean, it's it, and then there's the the criminal case. I mean, there this criminal case will come up again. No trial date's been set, but um, this has exposed some fault lines maybe in local politics because uh, it it seems like it's exposing a divide among the local Republican set. Um, you know, between the Tim Martin, the two electeds, Tim Martin and, and Donald Smith, and then people who uh, are big time backers. I mean, one thing I looked up when I was looking up the VPAP um, uh, donation information. Uh, Frank Root and, and Thomas Sheets are the two guys um, uh, m- most closely associated with Countryside Holdings, the group that sold the, the property to the Nexus people to get them in the Milk Place Commerce Park back in 2015. Um, they both backed uh, in 2015 and 2019 opponents of Donald Smith uh, when he was running for sheriff. They both gave money, um, decent amounts of money to, to opponents um, of Donald Smith in those two cycles. So, um, I don't know what to make of that. I I, I don't know that there's a conclusion to make there. I will just note that that's a fact. And so um, this story may have, you know, even deeper implications than just uh, the grand jury and its indictments. So definitely continue to follow Augusta Free Press. Um, You can look at our website at AugustaFreePress.com or follow us on Facebook. You can do a search for Nexus if you're interested in following the story a little bit more. Certainly they've been in the headlines over the years, uh, especially here lately. So I'm sure that is a story you will continue to cover. Chris, what else do you have coming up on Augusta Free Press this week? Well, from a news standpoint, you know, it was it's interesting. There was so much yesterday. Today, a, a quieter day as far as politics goes. But, you know, we have elections coming up, uh, as we mentioned, early voting. I mean, to, really, when I say coming up, they're already ongoing. When you have early elections like we do in Virginia, early voting, I should say, um, you know, vote the elections every day up until November 8th, which is the quote unquote election day. So um, we'll keep tabs on the local elections, uh, certainly. Um, but we're also getting close, you know, from, from the calendar standpoint, it might not feel like it, but we're getting closer and closer every day to the 2023 General Assembly session. Um, early uh, bill filing um, is usually the last week of November, first and second week of December. You'll start hearing about, uh, you know, legislation that will be proposed for that, uh, for that session. Um, and so we'll be keeping tabs on that because next year is a, is a, really big year um, for Virginia state elections. All 100 seats in the House delegates, all, all 40 seats in the state Senate are up for grabs uh, in, in Virginia, which kind of, you know, we talked about Stanton. Stanton flipped from, from blue to red in 2020. Virginia flipped from blue to red in 2021. And so, um, you know, it'll, it'll be a pitched battle next year for control of the state Senate and House delegates. We're going to be on top of that as well. Uh, and so uh, a lot going on there. The local city elections, a lot going on there. So, Boy, we're going to be busy here these next few weeks trying to make sense of it all. Absolutely. Just one thing to mention, too, unlike previous elections, is that you can actually register to vote on Election Day. So in pretty much any time now, I believe that um, the early registration deadline has passed. But if you uh, go to the voter registrar office now, basically through Election Day, uh, you can actually fill out a voter application and cast a provisional ballot. And so, Chris, you actually sat in on these before, but basically uh, at a later date, uh, usually the day after the election. It was the Friday, Friday after the election. The Friday after the election. Okay. Um, they basically sit down and they go through these and um, they determine if the vote is in fact valid. And if it is, then that vote counts. So especially in close elections that, and especially, you know, when there's a, a smaller term 
turnout, um, that can certainly be a factor. So that's, that's something that's just a little bit different this year that you can register to vote on election day and be able to cast that provisional ballot. If you're looking for some of that other information, for example, the Waynesboro Registrar's Office has moved. Uh, some of the voting locations in Waynesboro have moved. Some people have moved wards. You should have gotten a new card in the mail if that's the case. But a lot is happening around this election. And if you have any questions about it, definitely recommend that you check out AugustaFreePress.com because we've been covering this for the last month or two and uh, invite you to learn more. And if you still are in doubt, contact the registrar's office, of course, because I'm sure that they can help answer those questions for you as well. So on behalf of Augusta Free Press, I'm Crystal Graham. I want to thank you for joining us. If you stuck around for the whole podcast, you're to be commended. <laughs> and we have a look to, uh, to talk about politics and news with AFP editor Chris Graham every week here on AugustaFreePress.com.